Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Thanks for joining us again at the Places Where We Go, where today we continue our travels through Poland, traveling to Torun, Poland. Torun is a magnificent historical medieval town established by the Teutonic Knights in the 13th century. It sits on the banks of the Vistula River in north-central Poland, and it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's one of the oldest cities in Poland, first settled in the 8th century, before it was later expanded by the Teutonic Knights in the year 1233. The medieval town of Torun has three main parts, and we're going to take you through several parts of these. You have the ruins of the Teutonic Castle, the old town, and an area called the new town, all of which are surrounded by a collection of defensive walls. Even centuries ago, there was an area called the new town, since when the Teutonic Knights first settled in this area, the first place they settled in kept flooding, so they built a castle between the two areas, one being the old and one being the new. Tarun is also known as a city of peace because two separate peace treaties were signed in Torun during the 1400s to end conflicts of the Polish-Teutonic Wars. As was mentioned, Tarun is a designated UNESCO World Heritage Site. It was designated this in 1997. The main criteria that promoted this town to become a UNESCO site or get this wonderful status was that the preservation of the medieval way of life is so prevalent there. I mean, it is so well preserved for for different reasons. You can learn about the ancient lifestyles from the town layout, which is an authentic footprint substantially of medieval origin. Their surviving structures represent great architectural achievements and span styles ranging from brick gothic to mannerist and baroque. And it's very evident just looking through this area, the ancient buildings that are there. It's just, it's pretty impressive. Some of the notable buildings include monumental churches, the town hall, and many burger houses, which are a place where a citizen of the town or the city typically is a member of the wealthy bourgeoisie, which means just the wealthy, the elite. Yeah. It reminds me of the um, the Christmas show, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, where you had the Meister Burger, Burger Meister. <laughs> he probably was on, was one of those burgers, <laughs> although in a different country. In 2007, the old town of Torun was added to the list of seven wonders of Poland, and we had a chance to visit five of the seven wonders during our travels in Poland. Yeah, I think some of them we've already spoken about. There's a few that are 
going to be discussed on episodes to come. So we've got more cities on the way. Mm -hmm. But today we're in Torun, and this is one of the cities that when we were planning our itinerary, as you've heard on past episodes, we had my mom with us, who was born in Poland, lived in Poland till she was early 20s. And even though she had been back several times, it was always to visit family who live in Szczecin. And that was the first city on this series of podcasts. But she had mentioned that she wanted to see more of her country. So we tried to identify some cities to which she had not been before. And I believe Torun was one of those. So making our way from Szczecin ultimately to Krakow, this was on the way. So that's one of the reasons we selected this town. And as we were doing our research, it sure sounded like a very, very interesting place. Mm -hmm. So last episode, we were in Gdansk, and we got to Torun by traveling on a train from the Gdansk-Gwovne train station. And this was about a two and a half hour train ride. And for most towns on our trip to Poland, we tried to find lodging that we could easily get to from the train station. Torun was a little bit different because our hotel was too far of a walk, especially with all our luggage from the train station. So in this town, we ended up getting a taxi. Mm -hmm. And I think even the taxi ride was extremely reasonable from a cost perspective. We did end up spending two days in Torun, and we're going to take you through about eight highlights, more or less, of things we saw, things we did during our stay in this historic city. The first highlight was a private city tour. You had, Arthur, come across this and book this for all three of us, mm-hmm. which and I thought it was a fantastic idea. So we arrived at the old town and we walked to the statue of Nicholas Copernicus to meet our tour guide, whose name was Carolina. We had booked a six-hour private tour of Torun, and Carolina was extremely informative. She was really low-key, which we liked a lot. And she explained the meanings and the symbols on buildings and the medieval ruins. Much of the tour was concentrated in the old town area. And the list she provided of places that would likely be included on our tour numbered just under 20. Mm-hmm. And this is for the six-hour tour. Yeah, so she had a pretty packed agenda for us. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it went pretty quick, though. I thought it went really fast. Yeah. She kept us going the whole time and always adding information as we yep. went along. And I, I loved it. Moving and going, seeing and doing. Yeah. So, and, and we had mentioned on our last episode of Gdansk that we had taken a walking tour there. And again, I would highly recommend taking a tour of the city you're in if it's available. And then you can go off and explore on your own. But at least you've got a really good overview of that city. And it helps you in the rest of the time that you yep. have there. Yep. You can find the tour that we took on TripAdvisor, and we had a choice between a two-hour, a three-hour, or the six-hour option. We chose the six-hour. We'll have that link in the show notes. It is the walking tour of the medieval Torun. This is a private walking tour, and it is led by Karolina Rushinska, who continues her family's guiding tradition by showcasing the sites of her city to visitors. Curiosities, myths, fun facts, all of this is featured in her commentary. The tours start at $100 per person, uh, which I thought was, for six hours, very reasonable. Yep. 
totally enjoy that. And as you mentioned, she uh, started us in the Old Town. We kind of concentrated in the Old Town. So that's the next thing we're going to talk about. The Old Town sector offers so much history. There's a vast original architectural collection of churches, museums, shops, and restaurants. And this is somewhat notable in Poland because there are so many cities that were destroyed during World War II. And Torun is one of the cities that escaped a lot of that destruction. And given this historical footprint that was started by the Teutonic Knights and survives to this day, again, is like one of the main reasons that today it's a UNESCO site. There is a town hall in the old town that is really attention-grabbing. That itself dates back to 1274, and it's considered as one of the most monumental town halls in all of Central Europe. The city symbol is found over its gate, and that's an angel who holds a key and a gate with three towers. And the gate has a half-open door, which signifies that the city does not welcome cruel enemies, but does open its door to friendly visitors. There is also what is called the Old Torun Gate, which still stands in the town from 14th century origins. It's the only gate leading out of the old town to the west. Oh, and this one has some interesting history to it. So when it was built, there was a what's called a Barbican that was built next to it in the form of a circular tower that was about five to six stories high. And we've come across these kind of stories when we visited castles in the past. So what they would do here, this one, is uh, they would have these missiles that would be hurled and boiling water poured on anybody who tried to besiege the area through special openings on the protruding top floor gallery. And ultimately, the Barbican was destroyed by the Swedish armies. Those are your people, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> during the siege of 1703, and the tower gate was dismantled in the late 1880s. But that's just um, some of the history in the old town. The, the old town, it has a pretty big footprint. There's, again, some of the things that we're going to talk about in some detail here are found in the old town, but it's just an amazing step back in, in time mm -hmm. to the day of the nights. Mm -hmm. The day of the nights. R-R-R. Knights, K and I. Yes. <laughs> the next place we're going to take you is the Living Museum of Gingerbread. Torun is renowned for its gingerbread baking, a tradition that goes back over 1,000 years. The Living Museum of Gingerbread is the number one place to visit in Torun, according to TripAdvisor. It is located in the middle of the city center. It's an interactive experience that takes place in a medieval bakery under the watchful eyes of a gingerbread master. Uh, we had a good time there. Yeah, um, a really I, fun I time. think mostly uh, I was getting a kick out of watching your mom, but this experience is very much meant to be very interactive, hands-on experience for the people that are attending. And you actually get a chance to prepare uh, some gingerbread dough that they supply and make it, form it, do whatever you're going to do with it, and they bake it, and then they give it back to you. It was really fun to do that, and we were happened to be with a lot of uh, kids. It was some kind of class mm -hmm. or a summer session of I something. I think like a summer camp yeah, excursion. Yeah. yeah, so there was a lot of kids there, which kind of made it, made it fun for me. And in my head, when I saw these kids, I'm thinking, oh, no, we're in for it because your mm. mom is going to get annoyed. I was very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
there is people that work there that are dressed in costume in medieval times and they put themselves into the role and they act that role out. So it made it a really great experience for the kids, but it also made it an amazing experience for your mother, apparently, because one of the characters was telling jokes. Now, there are tours that are in English and you can choose those tours, but we happened to go to a tour that was in Polish. Mm -hmm. You were trying to tell me what was being said as it was going along. And I kept getting so distracted because your mother was laughing her head off. It's the most I've seen her laugh in my entire life. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. I love that. Yeah, it's like you said. I mean, it was presented as a, as a show. Yeah. Um, and whatever yeah. these jokes were that were being told that in your translation was not getting across to me is that funny but your mother thought they were hilarious yeah there's some nuances of language that don't always come across effectively i think when you translate them to another language mm -hmm. and um in this particular case i think also because they were portraying people from medieval times they were also throwing in a bit of i think probably what was like an older style of polish but um, speckled with all kinds of hilarious anecdotes and jokes that had um, people belly laughing. <laughs> it, was, it was quite it was hilarious, great. yeah. So we really had a good time there. We, we loved the characters being in the time of the medieval time and that experience, the smell of the gingerbread baking, all that sweet, wonderful aroma that comes from that. And on top of it all, it was fun and humorous, and not only for the children, but for adults as well. This show lasted for us about 90 minutes. It went very quickly. But there is another floor that's dedicated to teaching how gingerbread is decorated and more medieval cultural lessons devoted to the tradition of baking gingerbread in Torun. We happened to pick up a recipe book while we were there. It was just a very small one. Took it home with the intention of baking gingerbread. And I'm sure someday we'll get to that. After we had left this little medieval bakery, we did step out and found a nearby cafe and we had some tea and we actually had an assortment of gingerbread cookies. Some were filled with some blackcurrant jam. It was absolutely delicious. We did not eat our own creations. I don't think they're really meant to be eaten from the middle evil bakery. Yeah, just from the, I think, like the cleanliness aspect yeah. of everything that we were doing and just the way the, the hands-on thing were. That was more about the experience yes. of doing yeah. it versus actually eating it. Right. So right. We, we got ours from a, from a proper bakery later. And it was delicious. Yeah. yeah. But Torun is, um, like as you mentioned, it's very, very known for its gingerbread. Mm -hmm. And you can't go to Torun without escaping having gingerbread everywhere. So when in Torun, plan to have varieties of all kinds of things, gingerbread. We've got a few more coming up in a little bit. But before we get there, we're going to take you to our next stop, which is the house of Nicholas Copernicus and a museum that's devoted to him. So Torun is famous as the birthplace of this famous astronomer. He was the first to develop a complete heliocentric theory of the universe with the sun at the center because people did not always believe mm -hmm. the sun was in the center. And he successfully demonstrated that motions of celestial bodies did not require 
an explanation with the earth at the center, although there are some folk today who dispute this, and we know at least a, f- a couple of them. <laughs> we do. Yes. We even saw a movie about that, which is a whole other thing, but kind of interesting. So. so Tarun has a museum devoted to the astronomer located in the Gothic tenement house that was his birthplace. Stepping inside is another way to get immersed into the medieval architecture of the former Burger residences. We were able to see how his family lived. They were supported by Copernicus's father, who was a local merchant. And Nicholas Copernicus lived in this house for the first seven years of his life. Inside the museum, there's exhibits which highlight the life of Copernicus in medieval Poland and his scientific work. The astronomy-related exhibits show the kind of astronomical instruments that he would have used. There's a recreation of his study room. And there's a first edition facsimile displayed of his seminal work, which is called On the Revolutions of the Heavenly Spheres. There's also some historic exhibits in this museum regarding the city of Torun itself. There's a scale model that shows how the town would have looked in the year 1500, which is extremely similar to how it looks today. And that model has a computer-controlled depiction of war simulations and ancient historical events laid over it, which is kind of cool to see. Copernicus was an important scientific figure who helped set in motion the scientific revolution of the 15 and 1600s. The tour of the museum itself wasn't too time-consuming, so uh, it would be a shame to skip this if you happen to be in town. Again, Copernicus is one of the most notable scientific figures, and when you're in Tarun, it's kind of nice to be able to go see where he grew up, and learn a little bit more about his contribution to science. And if you're thinking about taking a trip to Torun, you can start your planning with some related reading. We have links to resources that can help you plan your trip in the show notes for this podcast. And when you order through our links, it's a way to support our show without any additional cost to you. Okay, let's move on to number five. Our next stop is a place called Shiva Vieza, which means Crooked Tower, in the Day of the Nights. In the Day of the Nights. Good one, Julie. Okay. (laughs) This town was a fortress, as we had mentioned, because it's got all the defensive walls that surround it, as were many towns in this medieval time. The town walls have 12 gates, 60 keeps, and two barbicans. And the most famous keep is the Torun's Leaning Tower. Legend here says that the crookedness was punishment for sinful Teutonic knights. And when you visit the tower, you're supposed to stand with your entire backside from your head to your heels, touching the wall, and stretch out your arms in front of you. If you can keep standing in this position without any wobbling, then that is a sign that you have a clear conscience. I tried it. Yes, you did. I failed. You wobbled a bit. (laughs) I don't think there's a person that could do that without wobbling. I don't, think so. I yeah. don't think so. I think your mom it's, tried it too. It's one of the fun things to try yeah. today without any punishment for your sinfulness yeah. as yes. a result of doing so. Yes. The sixth thing that we have for you in Tarun is just the monuments that are in the city. There's so many monuments in Tarun. There's monuments of people, of legends. Of course, there's a monument to Nicholas Copernicus. There's a monument to a gingerbread maker 
and there's several monuments to animals. And some of the few that we saw, there's a frog fountain in front of the town hall. And legend says, if you stroke its back, you'll have happiness. Mm -hmm. And just overhead, there's a statue of a black cat who is said to be the defender of the city. Near the market square... Oh, we tried this one. There's the donkey statue. Yeah, this I, one you're talking about? I tried to sit on yeah. it. Yeah. You did? Yes. Oh, okay. So the donkey statue symbolizes a former punishment site when unruly guards were sat on a donkey's back with a metal rod to inflict pain with weights tied to their feet to make the punishment even worse. We did not have no, weights no, tied I to No, I did not feet, have the weights, but... I had just previous to that failed my test on the crooked wall, so maybe this was part of my punishment. Probably so, and this yes. was this was part of Carolina was guiding us to these places. So, yes, yes, yes. She must have known that there was something, <laughs> something to you there, Julie. <laughs> the uh, the other animal monument that we saw there's one famous there of the flappy eared dog Philus, who is found sitting by a lamppost with its master's hat in its mouth. And legend says that if you pat the dog's head, you'll become wiser. And if you tug on the dog's tail, you'll be lucky in love. So if you want some more smarts or love, good luck stuff, <laughs> go to Tarun and go check out the doggy because he'll help you out. And there's there's so many more monuments in this town. When I was looking back at the photos... I think it's just fun that the, the legends are attached to it. Yeah. It's fun. I think of all the cities that we visited in Poland, Torun probably had just about the most number of monuments spread throughout. Yeah, and very different ones, yeah, too. Yeah, Cool to see. Let's move on. Let's go on to the seventh site, which is the Cathedral of St. John the Evangelist and John the Baptist. This is a Gothic-style cathedral that hails its beginnings from the early 13th century, we actually attended Mass here. It was a great experience because it was such a historical cathedral. And it did have a pipe organ, and that sounded absolutely magnificent. It was like a concert experience, huh? Yeah, yeah. and you, you had, that was that piece you mentioned. By Vidor. Yeah. yeah. And so, which that was, was just beautiful. Yeah, played during the entrance mm -hmm. procession. Mm -hmm. Inside our Gothic, inside the cathedral are Gothic, sculptures and many paintings depicting biblical scenes. The church also has the largest medieval church bell in all of Poland and one of the largest in Europe. This church bell weighs over seven tons and it's called the tuba dei, meaning the trumpet of God in English. Again, we ran into the walls of this cathedral were mainly painted white. We saw this a lot as we traveled through Poland. We had come from Gdansk, and, and we definitely saw it there. And this is just a reflection of when the Germans did control many of the cities in the area, and the Protestant faith was taking the Catholic churches and making them Protestant, and they white-walled all the uh, walls of these cathedrals and these churches. But we still did see a lot of those side chapels, and those, those side chapels were very ornate. They had beautiful sculptures. They had beautiful ornate ceilings. So there's still a lot to see there. There was more for the there was, eye. There here, was right? more. Yeah. yeah. In Gdansk, it was is very white. Yeah, very stark. Yeah. yeah. You can also see 
a Gothic font that is from the 13th century. And this is a place where Nicholas Copernicus was baptized. It is located in the chapel of the guardian angels and holds a portrait of the astronomer and a bust actually of him made in marble. So this is one of a few churches that we had visited when we were in Torun, but there was something very unique and special that happened on the day that we attended Mass at the cathedral. Yes, so this was a feast day within the Roman Rite Catholic Church, and it's the Feast of Corpus Christi. What an amazing, amazing feast day in Poland. I'm not sure if all of Poland, but in Torun, Poland, there was a procession after Mass that was absolutely amazing. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Never have seen anything like this. So there is a procession of the Eucharist that is put into a monstrance and processed around the city. And there's a canopy that goes over that. And the people process out after mass and they follow this canopy Eucharist all through the streets of the city. There were Three, what, three or four churches? Four churches total. Yeah, with so there's altars. four churches yeah. that they go, they process to, they stop, they do some um, uh, hymns in honor of the feast day and in honor of Jesus, and then they move on to the next one, and they there's altars that were built in front of each church. Mm-hmm. There were thousands of people following this, thousands. Yeah, it, it was basically the city shut down, mm-hmm. and... It was wall-to-wall people through the entire streets, all of the sidewalks, as far as the eye can mm-hmm. see. There, um, were the, uh, there were multiple priests. There was um, multiple religious. There were multiple nuns. There were little young children in their First Communion mm-hmm. dresses and outfits. There was music um, that was piped through... With, yeah, uh, I think speakers? they might have had the like the portable kind of speakers during yeah. the procession yeah. that they were using as well. Yeah, and this this to me is like one of those examples of one of the fantastic things that happens through travel is you get a chance to see how other cultures celebrate their faith, their culture, their customs. And I thought it was so fortunate for us to happen that we were in the city on this particular feast day. I believe that there's other cities in Europe where also the Feast of Corpus Christi is a big event. Spain. In Spain, Spain in Italy, yeah. there's many, many cities in Poland. It's one of those things that, you know, if you want to get a sense beyond your day-to-day experience of how religion is celebrated in different countries, going to a place like this and being there like on a feast day like this mm-hmm. is just eye-opening, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll try to get, because we took several video clips, mm-hmm. and um, you know, while we tell you what it was like, I think if you get a chance to see it, it's totally something mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. mind-blowing. We'll mm-hmm. see if we can put up a clip or two, maybe on our YouTube channel at some point, and um, it, it, would just, it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we ended that experience. We always had to keep in mind your mother, and her ability to walk long distances. So we were mindful of that, and we kind of cut out a little bit early on the, the procession. We did, 
but we then ended up doing so much walking. I think almost by accident, you know, so we had intended in the afternoon to yeah. walk across the river mm-hmm. because we were told that there's something spectacular to see on the other side. And when we first looked at what we thought was the distance to get across the river, we thought, hey, this doesn't look so far. Hey, we could do it. We could do yeah. it. Yeah. And so one of the great experiences of the medieval town that you can get, and that is to actually walk across the Viswa River or the Vistula River in English to the other side. And once you get there, you see this magnificent panorama of the medieval old town, and it's this spectacular view. Mm-hmm. So we, we walked across the river in the afternoon. The walk over the bridge was much longer than we expected. <laughs> we ended up putting in well over 10 miles of walking this day. So mm-hmm. to the uh, a point of trying to limit the walking for my mom, who at the, I think at the time was in her late 70s, during the time of this this visit, yeah. uh, we did not necessarily succeed very we did well not. at that. And, and she did get tired, yeah. and I did feel bad. You know, it wasn't hot, but there was enough heat to make it a, a little bit harder for her. Mm-hmm. But she did it. She did it. She did it. She was a trooper. Yeah, and the reward of getting to the other side of the view was just amazing. You see the town in a nearly unaltered display from its medieval roots, highlighted with silhouettes of the Gothic churches and the old town hall in the skyline. And when you look at this view, you get a sense of the defensive walls that aimed to provide protection against invading forces from Sweden and Prussia back in the day. There were nearly 200 defensive structures that were built on the banks of this river. Defending the city was taken extremely seriously. There is an observation deck on this other side of the river that's a great place to take in the view, and it's a great place to take some photos, and we took quite a few of those. And the view itself is considered one of the wonders of Poland. And if you love architecture, have any interest in it, this is one city that I highly recommend you go to. Because as we mentioned, it escaped a lot of the damage from World War II. So you've got original medieval buildings mm-hmm. here. And it's, it's just a marvelous thing to look at. And some of these wood beam ceilings, when you go inside some of these buildings, are you know as far back as the 16th century. So yeah. it's, just, it's just marvelous. It's just wonderful. So let's talk about food. We, we love food. Yeah, we had some interesting and unique things to us when we visited Torun. Starting with a stop at a place called Pierogarnia Stari Milne. And we had pierogies here that were prepared in a way that you and I had not previously had before. Mm -hmm. So both of us would have been accustomed to what I would call kind of like the boiled style pierogi. egg batter and... Egg dough? Yes, the egg dough, you boil it, 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 it has more of a noodle type of texture to yeah, it. Yeah, kind of like a, like a ravioli type mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. it's like a cousin of the ravioli. And in this particular place, they had pierogies that were prepared that way, but they also had baked pierogies that were made from a yeast dough mm-hmm. and then oven baked. And they kind of reminded us almost of a version of an Italian calzone or maybe an empanada. Absolutely, kind of, something with like a that. Different type of feeling. Yeah. yeah. So that was neat to try a food that we were familiar with, but prepared in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And also in this restaurant, we had an interesting seating situation. Yeah, that was we were yeah seated in a perched loft, 
that overlooked the main dining room. And to get into the loft, you had to climb up this ladder. It was kind of like getting into a, the old bunk bed when you were a kid. Yeah, this is just a ladder with rungs in it. Yeah, I don't remember how it is that my mom made it up she there, but she, up. but she did. She did it. Made it up yeah. and down. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, that was fun, and uh, again, something new. As we mentioned before, Tarun is famous for its gingerbread. So we did get our share of gingerbread baked goods, including some cookies. We also found some gingerbread beer. I think we were on the lookout for gingerbread beer. We knew it was there. Yeah, and Carolina had mentioned that yeah, to us as well. Right, yeah. right, right. So we stopped to have one of these gingerbread beers at the Jan Ulbrich bar. It's like a, it was a bar area after that long day of walking that we had. It was just right. It was a cold beer, just hit the spot. It had these wonderful gingerbread spices to it that as you drank it, it hit your nose and it was just, it was really, really nice. It was just the right thing for that moment. We also, they had a basement, so we ended up sitting down in a basement, which was quiet and cooler in the downstairs. So that was a nice end for that day. Yeah. And while we were in Torun, just to tell you about our lodging, so we stayed at a place called Hotel Fillmore that we did need a taxi to get to from the train station, as I mentioned earlier, but the location of the hotel itself was very walkable to the main medieval city. So the location turned out to, to be very good. The hotel had a great breakfast buffet that had they had so much available and I thought it was a great value overall, you know, between the meal that was included, between the hotel cost. I just looked last night, so at the time of this podcast, nightly rates at this hotel are starting at forty nine dollars a night. So I think that's mm-hmm. a that's a great price. That's an example of what you might expect to pay. And just another side note, so the other thing you and I were talking about either this morning or yesterday too, with what's going on in the world economy right now and the value of the US dollar compared to the euro, now is turning out to be a, a great time if you're a citizen of the U.S. to go to Europe because you're going to get more for your dollar than in many, many years past. So if you have Europe on your horizons, if it's a place that you'd like to go to, if everything else is okay with you, then uh, now could be an economically advantageous time to actually do that. So as we walked through the old town, there were a few things that if we had more time, we would like to have seen. And one of the things was the Teutonic Castle ruins. Now, these are just ruins at this point. And we did walk by some of the walls of these ruins, but we didn't actually go in and walk through these ruins and tour these ruins. So we would go back and do that for sure. The other thing is Torun has a planetarium. The planetarium itself has a companion observatory that has the largest radio telescope in Central Europe. So that, that'd be kind of fun to see, too. Yeah. If that was, uh, can you see that, or is it available for touring? Or? I mean, you can go to the planetarium. You can go to the observatory. I don't know definitively. I imagine that they have programs available and it seems like if you had the time on your itinerary to kind of maybe, you know, soak up the Copernicus experience, mm-hmm. you might include something like that on your agenda. So Tarun was, for us, a wonderful visit. Again, we only spent two days there. We tried to really soak up as much of the medieval part of the town during our visit. 
But, you know, who should go there? If you're a history fan, man, is there a lot to see here. As you mentioned, Julie, if you're a fan of architecture, I don't know how many more places there are on Earth where you get a chance to see intact medieval towns Mm -hmm. the way this one is preserved. Mm There's so much more to experience in the city as well. If you're there for a longer period of time, there's two drama theaters, two music theaters, and the city has over 10 major museums. We spend two days there. You can get a good sense of the city in that amount of time. If you spend more time there, you will find more to fill up your itinerary for sure. The other thing that I remembered when I was looking at the photos the other day, we also had seen more of those Camino de Santiago Mm -hmm. markers. Mm -hmm when we were in Tarun. So if you want to walk a version of the Camino de Santiago that will really test you and maybe put some of the walkers who start in France to shame, you might take the route that takes you through Poland and ultimately winds up in Spain. So thanks for joining us for this visit of Torun. And the next time we're going to take you on a journey to Poznan, Poland. We really hope that you heard some interesting things to help you plan your future visit to Poland. And if you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite choice for podcasts, where you could catch up on our future episodes, and you can also listen to the dozens and dozens of prior podcasts in our archives. And we'd really appreciate it if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. That would just be totally fantastic. So again, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more adventures in Poland. Do widzenia. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.